Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to Cherry's World. Okay, welcome to Cherry's World. Today we are going to be talking about a subject that I am uber passionate about, and that is homeschooling. Statistics show that there are about roughly 300,000 black families who are homeschooling today, which has doubled just since like 2015. We have on the phone a lady who has become my friend by chance. Her name is Aaliyah. Aaliyah and I are both mommies who use a curriculum, well, for some of our stuff called Master Books. I had asked a question on the Master Books um, inbox about their history curriculum because history is one of the biggest reasons why I chose to homeschool. Um, if you haven't figured it out yet, but the history curriculum was placed in the public schools basically to play on the self-esteem of young black children. And I refused mm-hmm. to let my black child um, be affected by this. And also later on the show, we have an author on the show and his name is Marcus M. Positive Parker. He is bringing his book of Find the Lie and Fix the Problem. And I got to tell y'all, I'm not really a big, like big on self-help books, but I have been reading them a lot lately. And this Find the Lie, Fix the Problem show did help me find a lie in my life. And it definitely fixed the problem in my heart. But first, we got to pay some bills. Would you like to advertise on Cherry's World and have your product placed on Cherry's social media for the world to see? Email us now at cherriesworldpodcast at gmail.com for low introductory rates. Cherry's World Podcast. Get heard. was the only one to answer my question on this feed. And I am so thankful. Cherry's World, please welcome Miss Aaliyah to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for letting me be here. Oh, no. Thank you so much. Okay, so let them know. How many children do you have? Okay, so I have nine boys. They're all boys. Amazing. And how old are they? My oldest is 13. And then I have an eight-year-old a seven-year-old, I have a set of five-year-old twin boys, a set of four-year-old twin boys, a three-year-old, and an almost two-year-old. You are raising some beautiful young black men. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Do you homeschool them all? I do. I homeschool all of them ever since my oldest was in 
second grade. We started homeschooling when he was in second grade. And um, at first I wasn't wasn't sure how long we were going to be doing it. <laughs> I wasn't, I didn't have much of a vision of the future of what it was going to look like as he got older. But once we started doing it and I realized it was something I could do and I enjoyed doing and he enjoyed it, I decided, you know, we would homeschool all of them. What was it that made you say, uh-uh, we're not going to keep doing this. I'm pulling him out and I'm going to teach my baby myself. Well, what started it was my son actually went to a, um, a small private Christian school. And uh, he had he had a decent experience there. He didn't, you know, have have too bad of an experience. But I started looking around at some of the older grade teachers, and I realized that some of them had views that I could tell already that were coming across as racist. And there was no way I was going to allow my son to be taught by somebody who didn't have his best interests in mind, Absolutely. you know, because of the color of his skin. And so my mom is actually a public school teacher. Oh. And she's actually a big homeschool supporter of mine because she knows that there are teachers out there who do look at a child and they automatically, you know, stereotype them because of the color of their skin. And so when I said, you know, I'm going to teach my, my kids, she was like, you go for it. So... So is she your advisor? She uh, she has become now to the point where she is so pro homeschool. We we do we work together a lot. Um, both of us are actually working on a master's degree in education currently, so we kind of bounce play deals off of each other. I see you know the things that are going on in the public school classrooms. I am you know not anti-public school by any chance I don't think that you know but I am I'm not for my family I wanted my child to have you know somebody who was going to see his potential and not see him as a threat and I know that there are great public school teachers out there but then there are some that are not and I didn't want to take that chance for my kids education I totally understand I was a little black kid who went to public school and let me tell you my fight started in kindergarten and it all started because of Mr. Christopher Columbus mm-hmm. <laughs> I refused yeah. I refused to color the Mayflower and I told my teacher at that point that he never touched the US soil and she wanted to debate me and basically she got mad and kicked me out of class Mm-hmm. And so right and then... And I had so many of those experiences, too. And I was, you know, I'm just... I'm like, if I can have my kids have a better experience, then I'm going to allow them to have that. I'm not going to have people questioning them based on the color of their skin. I'm not going to have people teaching them that they're less than, you know, because of the color of their skin. Absolutely. And I hate to call this one curriculum out, but I'm going to. Because um, I really love their books. I love the setup. I love that the schedule is in there. Master Books has this history book that I was shopping and looking at. And one of the things that was disturbing to me is it says, it's it's a Christian curriculum. Um, It says, Mm -hmm. and I quote, people who owned slaves were not bad people. We all sin. We just sin differently. Okay, cute. But I can't teach that to my black child. And exactly, I wrote a post and somebody tagged the author. The author wrote me back and I will cut it short. I will actually post it later if, if people want to read it. But she basically made the point that I wrote what I wrote and I will never please everybody. And 
I took it as, and a few other mothers took it as, well, I just didn't write it for your kind. Exactly. There, there's a And I think she specifically said that she um, couldn't write it, you know, for one group of people, but that's exactly what ended up happening. That's what she did, was wrote it for one group of people, and it wasn't our group of people, what she was kind of coming across as. Exactly. Like, it wasn't even thought of being all-inclusive, and I love the fact that you're going back you're getting your master's because I really feel now we do have some black curriculum owners who will be on our show later, but I feel Mm -hmm. we need more just be, we have, you know, um, urban intellectuals out there and we have a lady by the name of Belinda who owns blessed heritage and she will be on here. And that's actually what we use right now for our history. Um, I need more. Are, are you planning on, developing a history curriculum for our little brown babies? I am. Um, that is my main goal. As I started homeschooling, and I started to see the different choices out there for a history curriculum, and particularly American history curriculum, where the influence for black children is, okay, black people were, were slaves, and then, you know, we, we were slaves, and then all of a sudden, um, there's a little bit about the civil rights movement, and boom, that's it. That's it. And I realized that, you know, that's so disparaging for a brown child to only hear mainly about your people as slaves and not to focus on anything that happened before that or after that in a positive context. Absolutely. And if you're a little brown kid like me, I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood. I couldn't stand anytime black history came up because everybody in the room would turn around and look at me well I'm sorry I was was, you know where they'd say well you were a slave no I was never a slave honey (laughs) I was Mm -hmm. born we were all free (laughs) I would love something to be all-inclusive like hello the Chinese have given a lot to the United States Mexicans have given a lot to the United States they're nowhere mentioned I was just was having a discussion with that, um, and I, I say discussion because I was truly trying to discuss, and it was more of a debate on the other person's end, but on um, she mentioned something about how white Europeans built America, oh. and <laughs> I had to take a step back, you know, and I was like, excuse me, and, I, and she said, well, you know, white Europeans built this country, and I said, well, what about the Chinese, who without them, there would not have been a railroad across from one side of the United States to the other. What about the Africans, who both slaves and freedmen, who opened businesses, who, you know, built, I mean, without, there nothing would have gotten done in the South without the slaves, period. Absolutely. It wasn't like they were doing their own work for the most part. Absolutely. And, you know, I brought up all these these different groups of people, the Native Americans, and all she could say was white Europeans built this country. And I thought, you know what, that's a lack of education. It's hatred, but it's also a lack of education. Very and I thought, so. I can use the same curriculum that she learned that from to teach my children. Absolutely. You, we can't. And we can't keep mm-hmm. letting it play on the black child's self-esteem. Education is exactly. not one size fits all, but it gives this mm-hmm. empowerment and privilege from a very young age. And I didn't realize it. Of course, as a kid, you don't know how to verbalize it. But as an adult, I realized right. it's, it's their way of keeping us in our place. Very right. Young. 
And mm-hmm. especially you, I, I have a black daughter, but you have young black men who this, exactly. this world is terrified of. And the best way to armor them to be a part of this world is their education. Mm-hmm. No way will we... Exactly. You have nine sons? I have nine sons. And in fact, our homeschool motto is a quote by Frederick Douglass that says, knowledge makes a man unfit to be a slave. Huh. And we that, you know, that is our homeschool motto because I want them to know that education is education is free you can do you know you can and i'm not saying all my boys will grow up to be you know maybe doctors or lawyers or whatever but i i teach them to never stop learning i teach them to know their history and to you know have a vision for where they're going and because this this in the in the climate we live in today it's sad to see how black men are looked upon as threats before they even speak a word out of their mouth, you know? Absolutely. And I want my sons to know who they are before the world tries to take that away from them. That's the best thing that you can honestly do for your black child. What advice Mm -hmm. would you give any parent who wants to homeschool but does not know where to start and is a little intimidated? First off, just realize that your homeschool isn't going to look like everybody else's, and it doesn't need to. You don't have to be a genius to homeschool your child. Find a community. Find some sisters who can prop you up and help you, and then do your thing, which is going to, I mean, it's going to, you want what's best for your child, you can give them that. You don't have to have, some people I know say, well, you know, I don't know about the higher math because I was never really good at math or that's fine. That's fine. All you have to have is a love for your child and a desire to want them to succeed. You can, you can find courses that teach the math for you. That's that's secondary. Primarily it's, you know, wanting what's best for your child. And I, I mean, for me, I'm actually re. It's either I'm relearning or I'm learning new things every day while I'm teaching her. So much. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. So, so many things I don't think I ever learned in school, and <laughs> you know, and it's 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 great to be able to learn this beside my boys, and you know, they awesome. encourage me. I encourage them. Even with going back to school, I <laughs> I have so much more sympathy for them. I, <laughs> you know, they they are like, you know, you're doing your homework, and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting on that right Aww. now. <laughs> but they are. They're they're great. They're you know. I'm their biggest cheerleader, and they're mine, so. What an awesome support system. Now, if there are some homeschool moms out there who are a little intimidated and might want to get a little encouragement from you, where could they reach out to you at? Oh, absolutely. My email address is Aaliyah Kinsler, that's A-L-I-A-K-I-N-S-L-E-R at gmail.com. And I love to talk to homeschool moms. I, you know, I love to talk to homeschool moms because I remember what it was like in the beginning, all that fear, worrying, you know, if I could actually do this. And it was other homeschool moms who came alongside me and helped me, you know, to, to see that I, I can do, I can teach my own children. How amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for, first of all, thank you for actually writing me back because I bugged you on Facebook. <laughs> You could have ignored me. 
<laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I, I, I thought, I'm like, I hope she gets this message because, you know, <laughs> I, somebody needs to tell her. <laughs> oh, I got so it, honey. I, and I got it loud and clear and it hit me in the head. And I was just, I was thankful that you were there to witness the conversation between me and I, I believe her name is Angela Odell, but I'll post I'll post it up later so that people can read it for themselves. I couldn't even respond because I wasn't going to respond nicely. Right, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, it, it was it was, it was heartbreaking to see, you know, her take on that. It really was. It, it was, was a moment where she could have reached kind of across and said, you know, but it, it was it was such a disconnect between saying something is so evil and then saying that good people did it. Right. Yeah. Good, good people own slaves. I mean, even if she would right, have just exactly. been like, you know what? I never looked at it from that point of view. Maybe we can consider a revision later to, um, right. to no, there was none of that. And she not just, just shut good me down. people, godly people is what she said. Godly people own slaves. That's right. Godly and people. It was, it was, it was eye opening for sure. <laughs> It was. It was eye-opening. It was hurtful. It was disrespectful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I still do like master books, but I will not be buying anything that she wrote. So exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will just. I'll be looking for your curriculum. And uh, hey, if there's some other black, and I won't just say black, but all inclusive curriculums out right. there for history we want to know please share you are welcome to come on cherry's world anytime schedule yourself send me an email we need you <laughs> exactly <laughs> Aaliyah, yeah. is there anything else that you want to add no but even once you start homeschooling you do have to realize that you're still your child's best advocate and just like when we saw this and we realized, you know, this isn't for us, you still have to have your eyes open. You still have to be, you know, looking everywhere because not everybody wants the best for your child. Absolutely. Aaliyah, thank you for being here today. I hope that you will come back later when you have your curriculum together and share it with us. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Enjoy your day. Kiss them boys and keep us updated. I will. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's nice talking with you as well. You too. So it's not often that I get to sit down and do something for myself, but if you get a chance to sit down and do something for yourself for like an hour or two, you need to pick up this book. It is Find the Lie and Fix the Problem by Marcus M. Positive Parker. And if you want to hear about the lie in my life that I had to find and fix, um... Make sure you listen to our podcast because Marcus M. Positive Parker is going to be on. He's going to tell us about his book. I'm going to tell you about my experience and how his book has helped me find the line, fix the problem. So I believe right now, Courtney, we have another caller on the phone. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe it is my own homeschool advisor, Andrea. Andrea happens to have a special place in my heart. We have been friends for about 36 years now. In fact, we grew up together, not necessarily knowing each other, but on different coasts. Andrea watched Punky Brewster growing up. And so we've been friends for a very, very long time. 
just so it just so happens, Courtney, she's a teacher. She has she has taught at public school. She has taught at private school. She tutors, and now she is my eyes and ears to make sure that I don't screw up my child too much while I'm on this homeschool journey. Andrea, thank you for being with us. So, Courtney, we're lucky, too, because she also listens to our show regularly. Oh, I am a fan, yes. (laughs) Thank you, babe. So, I was just on the phone talking to a homeschool mom, and, of course, I had to hit that history curriculum. Andrea was one of the first people who I screenshot the author's comment about her curriculum to, to see if I was being sensitive or if I was taking it the wrong way. Andrea, how did you I feel think when it's, I think that when, first of all, I think that you don't need anyone's justification for how you're feeling. This is your child and your experience and her experience, and you know it better than anyone. And I think that's something that's so important for parents to realize what an important role they play in their children's education, whether they're homeschooling, whether they're in public school, private school, however it's being done. You are your expert on you are the expert on your child. On on our child, yeah, but you know, curriculum is not always our thing. And so we just want to make sure. And looking looking at the curriculum can be a, a different and but I think I think I really think instinct plays a big part in it too. Absolutely. As you know, if you're reading through something and it just doesn't feel right, that's the great thing about homeschool is you get to make the decisions that are best for your child. And, and then, your child gets to help make those decisions. Oh, my daughter's curriculum is absolutely Courtney self-driven. She tells us what she wants. She's what? amazing. She'll, yeah, she'll, she'll be like, I, I want to do this, or what about this? And it just turns into a whole thing that she's kind of driving because she is such a um, self-motivated and self... She she, she's constantly questioning things, and she doesn't just... She, she wants to really understand what's going on. She does. And I have to say, Courtney, we had a battle a few months ago where my daughter had lost her love for learning. And it was all about language arts. We got on the computer with Andrea probably for like 10 minutes. And Andrea was like, okay, I got it. So instead of writing, why don't you just draw lines from the words into the space? And she was frustrated with doing too much writing. And just a simple conversation but the educator was like, look, you don't have to do it the way they say do it. We're going to tailor it to her. With my with my teaching experience, a lot of what I've done is we're doing modifications and accommodations for kids who learn differently. Not that your daughter learns differently, but, well, everyone learns differently. And in that situation, just talking to you and, and her, um, it was kind of easy to figure out what was was feeling difficult for her and then you just make a couple of little tweaks because not everyone's going to do the same thing and do things the same way it's all about that right about about homeschooling from what i'm hearing because i I have kids as well and i know if we have like an issue or, or something like that we might have to wait 
like a week. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. There's also the whole, it, when you're in a school, it is part of a system, and so it's not going to be immediate, like, if it's at home and you can just be like, hey, this is a problem, we're going to deal with it now. Absolutely. And Courtney, you were asking me about homeschooling and schedules and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, like, how does that work? Because, like, so you guys just get up in the morning and just, like, now now school starts? Or, like, how does that work? Like, I, I know the one thing about just going, well, I put all my bit, but we try to, we afford for our children to go to private school. And I know that it's in the, like, you know, um, it's a set schedule of everything. But I know, I do notice that there is some things that's missing. So, but the good thing about it is they get to interact with the kids. So, like, how, do, how does all that work with, with homeschool? You know, for us, <laughs> our homeschool is different all the time. And that's what Aaliyah just said before she got off the phone. No two people's homeschool is alike. What I love to do is I, I, I would love every day to be wake up, eat breakfast, you know, get dressed and do school. Unfortunately, that's not my life. It doesn't always happen. Sometimes we do school. I try to get it out of the way before 12 noon because after 12, there's just other things to do. The phone starts ringing and life happens. Um, and earlier in the day is actually better for younger kids to be focused too. So that works out well. Yes. How early? How early? 10 o'clock seems to be our prime time, but I don't know about other children. Yeah, and I think that I can, you know, I can say generalities, but I think that really just kind of trying things out with your own kids and see what works is the best way to figure it out. No. I don't think there there's not... There's not a set of rules that, oh, you know, at this time you must do this and... No, not it's at really all. about figuring out what works for you. And some people are very, I mean, homeschooling, every, every state has its own requirements. So you have certain parameters, but other than that, you get to do what works for your family and for your kids. I mean, I have to admit the other day we were total bums. We didn't, we played all day and it was, it was evening time. I was cooking dinner. My daughter came and sat at the table in the kitchen with her math book and was like, okay, I'm ready. And she got three pages done. So it was like 6.30 and she had already been in Taekwondo. We had a full day, but that's when she felt like concentrating. So that's when we did it. And then you have to remember that the paper learning, the workbook learning is only part of the learning. There's so much incidental learning that happens when you're just out and about doing things and kids are learning things and you can turn almost anything into a learning experience. So it doesn't have to be, oh, it's only school and we're sitting at the table with a pen and pencil. No, we do a you lot of, You can take yeah. advantage of going to the supermarket, of yes. going to maybe a zoo or whatever things are in your area, whatever resources you have in your area. We do. And you can, it's amazing what you can turn into, into a lesson and into quote unquote school. I think one of my favorite things that Sherry has done with her daughter is waiting in a doctor's office. They walked around <laughs> every floor and looked at all the artwork 
that was art class. Yeah. She calls and that's, it art that's appreciation. the kind of stuff that you can do. And once you start doing it, you see the opportunities in more places, and then you just go with it. And it's I think sometimes people do it and don't realize they're doing it. And to have someone to kind of bounce things back and forth with and be like, hey, that was, you just did a, you know, that was your English for the day. That was the whatever for the day. But you're, your kids are learning constantly. Yeah, we do real life learning. Um, we also do like math at the gas station. You know, we look and we see how much the gas has gone up. And I ask her, how, do you think I can fill up the tank if it's 235? Do you think I could fill up the tank? If it's full, you know, depending upon what state we're on. So we do it real life stuff. She had a Target gift card, Courtney. I, I know Andrea knows, but I didn't get a chance to tell you. And her gift card was for $75. And do you know the kid went in and she was like two cents under her $75? That's good. That's good. That's real good. We were, yeah. And the more real life it is, the more meaningful it is the more that it's they're going to retain it and be engaged in it. And yeah. so that is just fantastic to take any opportunity like that. Well, you know, and it, well, what, do, what do you say to people who says, yeah, but kids need to interact with other kids? There are so many ways for kids to interact with kids. It doesn't have to be at a full school day. Right. Um, there are there are opportunities for, um, well, after school things, doing different sports or arts or whatever it is that your kids are into. They're gonna they're into gonna interact with kids there, and um, I I laugh when people say that because they're like, well, kids need to go to socialize, and I'm like, wait a minute, you're gonna sit them in a classroom with like 25 to 30 kids. And the whole day, all the teacher is saying is, shh, stop talking. How is that socializing? Except for, except for if they happen to be lucky enough to be a school that still has recess. Right, still has recess. So then they socialize for, what, 15 minutes at a time? And then they go back to this yeah. classroom. And this goes on for eight hours a day. They get 15 minutes at a time. I believe you get, like, two or three breaks and lunch. But the rest of the time, you're told to be quiet. There is no socialization there. Let me tell you about my kid. My that's kid. True. That's a great point. I didn't think about that until you said that's a great point, what you said. So they're really only getting like 30 minutes if, if they're lucky of social. If they're lucky. I mean, it depends. Every every district is different in what their their right. schedules are like. But, yeah, it's, and then they stop recess at like, after elementary school, I had the fortune to work at a pre-K to eight school, and they had recess every single grade through middle school, and it was phenomenal. It's so like play-based learning, especially for the younger kids, is so important. And having opportunities when the adults aren't micromanaging things and overseeing everything gives them opportunities to learn in ways that we can't give them. Which is crazy because my daughter socializes all day long, you know, because we're out of the house. She's at the grocery store. She's talking to people 
I have a kid who she doesn't necessarily talk to all strangers, but she wants to pay for whatever we're buying. She wants to go to the restaurant and order her own food. She's five and she's been doing this for a couple years. She reads, you know, whatever is in the aisle that we're going down so she could tell you what aisle we need to go down. Um, she takes Taekwondo four days a week. She takes swimming two days a week. And she just made me literally sign her up for soccer. So when we're done with this podcast today, she has a birthday party. How is that not social? She's more social than me. <laughs> yeah, there really are opportunities. Would you say, Court? No, I was just saying that was, that's a great answer because I never thought about it like that. You're, you're right. Yeah, people. I think it. some of I think some of homeschooling is kind of like it's it's almost kind of unlearning what we learned to be school and to be education, and that there's so much flexibility and more options than most people are aware of. And once you start kind of digging in there and seeing, it's like, oh, okay, that that could be a lesson. And there's some social pieces to that. And there are just a lot of opportunities, especially when you have the flexibility to to make those choices. I believe so. And I know that um, that there's like home parent homeschool groups online, and a lot of them will have meetup groups so that homeschool kids will get together, so they have opportunities to talk either academically or socially about things. And so what do you think about that? Like, you know, everybody tells me, oh, you need to join a co-op, and I haven't joined a co-op. I did kind of fill up... I feel like I'm going to have the same answer for so many things, but I think that it's going to depend on your situation, on your child and you, and what works for you guys, and what engages your child. You know, everyone is going to be interested in different things, so I don't, I don't want to say like there's one, one way to do it. That's, that's kind of my thing. Is there are many ways to do it, and even if I say find the curriculum that I like. There might be pieces that I don't like, and then I'm gonna, I'm just gonna change them around a little bit, so and tweak it so that it, it goes, it's done the way that it feels best to me. And I very much encourage parents to do that too. That just because it's written one way in, in a teacher's book doesn't mean that you can't have some flexibility with that for making it making it for individualizing it for for your child so what do you think of the parents who don't know where to start they don't know what curriculum to buy what would you tell them if they walk into a store and then realize that there's like a million different options i think that that's when the internet comes in for in very resourceful I think that it probably take, will take some research, start to find out what different things that there are. I think the more people's brains that you can pick, I mean, even going into like the public library and talking to librarians, especially if you're looking for book recommendations, libraries, public libraries and and librarians are so underutilized, especially for for children, I think. 
they know books and you can go in and tell them, you know, with your child or tell them about your child and they'll help you find exactly what you're looking for. The library. That's something that we have to do. We need to go get her her library card because I've yet to do that. I, I have a book. And I think that, I think it's that learning how to take a book out of the library is kind of the beginning of research skills as well. So even though she's young and we're not really at that point yet, it's, it's the beginning, the, the precursor. And, and so I think that that's an important thing to do. Yeah, I thought that the library was like a thing of the past, but like, uh, Oh, months I was off work, uh, because of an injury. And, oh, I'm um, sorry. Yeah, but you don't have to be too. You don't have to be too sorry. But I just, I just have to say <laughs> that for this podcast. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I was uh, off work and most of the summer, and I took my kids to the library because they had so much stuff going on, and they really enjoyed it. I, I really thought the library was a thing of the past, but they really enjoyed being in the library. I live in a very small town, a rural town, and I feel like the library is kind of the social hub of the town. There are things for all ages. I know that my niece was just over at the library, and they had some life-size Connect Four game that she could play. They have so much more than books, plus they have books and people who know books and people who know how to find books for kids. Yeah. Some kids are great at finding books that they're interested in themselves, and some kids really need a lot more direction in helping them find their books, and librarians are a great resource for that. I think maybe for homeschool, for, for homeschool parents who are just starting out and feel like they don't have any idea, is collect resources and just don't be afraid to talk to people and ask. I'm laughing as you say. The worst they can do is say no, but I'm just thinking like, you know, if you're at, um, if you're at a donut shop or a coffee shop, like I know my niece loves to go there, you could come up with all kinds of things. If the people there, you know, if you talk to them, I'm sure that they'd be willing to, you know, show behind the scenes or whatever. I'm over here laughing because she said collect resources. If somebody looked at all the emails that I send you, they would think I was insane <laughs> because I pull stuff off the internet almost every single night about things that grab me that I might want to teach her or she might ask me about. Right, and that's a great way to lead from is, is okay, she's, she's asking about this, so let's follow that lead. Well, well, the one thing that I've learned from talking with both of you all, uh, where I'm going to have to say I disagree, is everyone shouldn't homeschool their kids because the stuff <laughs> that Cherry is saying, the stuff that you're saying, I, do, I know a lot of people, including myself, that could not do that. Like what Cherry just said, she... Googling stuff all night and thinking about things to teach that. that. I mean, if, if if I hadn't experienced it, I don't think I can teach it. So well, it, that's just credit it's, to you guys. It's a passion. I think you just have to, anybody can do anything that they're passionate about. It's become my new obsession. Um, I'm supposed to be grounded from the bookstore. So I was in the bookstore a couple of days ago. <laughs> 
Yeah, we we got some fancy Nancy books, and then something on um, ancient Egypt that has like all these. It has like all these arts and crafty things in there, while it talks about the history, the religion, and just like the livelihood, the culture of Egypt. And I was like, how do you just leave this here? It's four ninety five. I gotta buy this. So she's over there laughing at me because she knows I'm grounded. <laughs> That's good. I mean, yeah, just, I mean, just to pick up a hard book and just read, like, yeah. I mean, because cause society is made of so lazy. I mean, you can listen to a book now. You can, you know, listen to a podcast. I mean, you know, I, I tell you what, I was just on a flight a couple months ago and just got a chance to read a book and just that feeling of reading a book again. I mean, that was good, you know. You need that. I'm the worst. I can't, I can't listen to books. I go to sleep. But I'm also a fan of letting kids figure out what works for them. Like, I realize that I'm now, like, the older generation, and I'm old school, and I need that paper book. But they're, you know, kids are being raised differently and are surrounded with different things now, and some kids prefer to listen. And I think, again, that letting them... have the choices that work for them are going to just make their education that much more enriching because they have such a, when they have a piece of, of when, when they kind of have a say in something, I think they're a lot more invested in it. I got two more questions that then, uh, then you guys do for I got, I got to ask these questions before I forget. Uh, I think Cherry, you probably know more about this too. If you have an elderly, sick parent or grandparent or something like that, I know in New York, and I think even in Chicago, you can get paid to take care of your own mother, grandmother, grand, you know, you know, elderly uh, family member. Wow. You get paid for that. I don't know if you guys heard about that. I, I know didn't know that. In, yeah, I know about. I know I hear a lot about it in New York. I listen to New York radio, and then, um, and I even believe it's like that in Chicago. So my question is, shouldn't it be like that as far as teaching your own kid? Shouldn't you get paid for that? If you're doing all the work, you should get paid for that. Something you should look into. I don't, I don't feel like I should be paid for my child's education because I feel as a parent it's my duty. But I do feel that I should get the same resources that public schooling would get or, or you know, whatever money that they take out of our taxes that goes towards schooling, I do feel that my child should be able to get the same materials and the same resources. I disagree. I think you should get paid for it. Well, I'm not, a, I'm not an educator, so it's like a voluntarily thing. It's not like something that I, I don't want to take anything from teachers. Because right, they, they go to school, they have to get a degree, and they put in an awful lot of work. I didn't realize how much work it really was until... But you're doing some of the work, too. And then on top of that, like, I mean, I'm not in the medical field, but I can get paid like sixteen fifty an hour if I if I need to take care of an elderly person just got to fill out the paperwork and have them fill out the paperwork. So, I mean, I mean it's not exactly what... A doctor or a caretaker would get paid, but I mean, at the same time, they're paying people to take care of elderly people because it's that important. I think they should pay to take care of our children too. 
I don't know. I, I think it would be great if they'd said, you know, not that I would necessarily use it, but maybe if whatever district you live in or they put together some kind of curriculum where they say, okay, nationally, homeschool parents, this is the curriculum we wish that you would choose. And if you would like our books, we'll give them to you free. Kind of like K through 12. I guess they give that to you free, but you still have to follow their program and you have to check in with them and everything so it's not exactly right where they've where they've if, if it's something that's already been chosen to me that takes away from the homeschool experience where getting to make your own choices for your child I think is part of what makes homeschooling so different from other forms of schooling absolutely but I think I would and I think I think, I think yeah, most I mean, parents would sorry, take, like, sorry. their math, right, and just make it their own. I'm sorry? I said, but do, do you I, think, like, most parents would take, like, their math and kind of make it our own or take language arts and make it our own? That's the hope, but I think, I think that if they don't have – if people don't have experience doing that, they might not know or have the confidence to do it, and so it's – okay, how can we educate parents who are wanting to homeschool and feeling like they don't know enough about it? You know, is that something that communities should be doing? Is that something that should be done privately? But it does seem to kind of be a, a need that's growing, especially when I hear Courtney saying, oh, I could never do that. And I think that, I think that you could probably do a lot more than you think in most people could absolutely but it's 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 having it's having the right resources and sometimes finding resources is difficult so how do we make that obvious and easy to people who are wanting to do this and now I'm looking at like really big picture like national stuff suddenly going from your child to the whole country's policy on education and that's a completely different story I love that. I'm over here. My brain is ticking because I'm like, okay, so Andrea helps me. How can we get her to help some of those other homeschool parents who have these questions? Are you oh open? Oh my gosh, that would be, yes, I would absolutely love to try to talk to people if they have questions. How can they contact you? Just hit me up on social media. I'm Andrea Kent. Cherry is also a natural teacher. Oh, thank you. It's very sweet. You're welcome. I have come to see that in consulting with you and your daughter, that you just have a natural instinct for it. She taught me a lot in these past few months. And my wife says I can be juvenile, so I can understand. She's <laughs> That's your wife. What is she supposed to say? She's just messing with you. I tell you what, though, Andrea, they are becoming one of my favorite couples. They're so grounded and so sweet, and the bond is so obvious. Well, hit me up if you have questions about homeschooling and want to look into it or anything. Oh, yeah. I would love to talk to you about it more. I do have a lot, a lot of questions, just really about, you know, my kids in general. Yeah, no, please con con contact me because I would be happy to try to
kind of help guide you. Thank you. Thank You're you. welcome. And we will be. And that, that is that is something that I wanted to add about um, homeschooling that I think that is really necessary. That obviously you know your child, but if you have someone, if you're have someone else who's helping out, the more that they know your child, the more that it's going to be the curriculum is going to be done and done in a way that is in the best way that your child learns. Wow. So I think having them, your child be an active participant in things. That's so awesome. Thank you so much for being here. I love you. I could talk about this forever, but I think our listeners would be like, okay, we're over it. <laughs> Everyone would be okay, nap time. So, but yeah, thank you so much for having me. I am passionate about education and about children getting what they need and getting what you need is not getting the same thing. And so I see this as an opportunity for kids to really get what they need individualized. Wow. Thank you so much for being here. Will you come back one day? Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I would love to. We got it on record, Courtney. She'll come back. (laughs) Thank you. Remember that question. (laughs) Yeah, right? Will you remember it? We'll call her back and we'll see if she'll answer it. Yes. Thank you so much, love. Have a great day. Saria here. Chief Green Alchemist at Going to Natural. Do you know it takes less than 30 seconds for your skin products to enter your bloodstream? Yeah, so knowing what's in them, super important. We know you want what's best for you and your family. And here at Going to Natural, so do we. We care about the environment, we care about the animals, and most importantly, we care about you. We offer free support for your healthy journey and love providing affordable, all-natural products that are responsibly sourced, cruelty-free, luxurious, and always made with love. We're not just a shop, we're a community, and we'd love to have you. Browse our collection of plant-based skincare products and natural tips and tricks at shop.goingtonatural.com. That's shop.going, the number two, natural.com. A conscious brand for a conscious community. Use code LOVEEARTH for 15% off your first order. Welcome to Cherry's World. Marcus, thank you so much for being here with us today. Hi, thank you for having me. Awesome, awesome. Now, Marcus sent us his book. And Marcus, can you tell us the name of the book? The book is called Find the Lie, Fix the Problem, and it's a tool for emotional healing. Find the lies and fix the problem. There ain't no lie in that. Right. Not, not at all. Find the lie. Yeah. Find the lie and fix the problem. Now, I love and you, I'm, People tell me they like the title. I, let me tell you where it came from. Yes. Um, well, I was a technician in the Air Force. And I, I grew up, I mean, I was an electronics guy. This was back in the early 90s, right? So I learned how to troubleshoot multi-million dollar pieces of equipment in the service. And then when I got out at like Texas Instruments, I was, you know, fixing semiconductor tools. So what I found is that I was always able to fix the problem 
because the schematics would show me exactly where all the problems were. So if I was supposed to find certain bolts somewhere and I and it wasn't there, then I found the problem or I found the lie. You understand? So the difference between uh, working on multi-million dollar equipment and trying to work on people's emotions is, you know, is And I was saying the whole time, I'm like, man, if I could pick these really, really expensive pieces of equipment that were really engineered behind the human mind, why can't I fix somebody's emotions? Like, why can't I show somebody how to be confident? Why can't I show somebody how to, you know, get past fear and stuff like that? And so I started to research that, and I realized that the reason that it's so hard to fix humans is because we have the ability to hide our broken parts. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's, you know, so, so sometimes we can't fix the problem because, you know, it, it's just something that, like, for example, if, you know, if, if I hit a, if a trigger comes in my life, if I walk around and I'm at the grocery store and somebody says something to me and all of a sudden I just absolutely blow up. And people are like, man, what's wrong with this guy? But that blow up may not be about what happened right there. It may be a trigger that something in that store reminded me of something that happened back in 1997 or something, and it made me go crazy. And so... I believe that that's what our society kind of needs is some way, almost like a do-it-yourself plan to fix your emotion. Mm. And so many of our, like, I mean, in the African-American community, we don't seek a lot of mental health. We don't go through a lot of, you know, uh, you know, we don't, we don't really check ourselves, you know, generally speaking. Right. For the most part, we don't put as much energy into our mental health and, you know, into, like, our emotional intelligence as we should. <laughs> Excuse me. And so what happens is we end up not able to heal ourselves. So every time you see a fight and you hear somebody scream, world star, it's usually <laughs> a trigger that happens, Right. From something could have happened to somebody in their childhood and it stayed with them their whole life. Like, you know, an example, somebody might say something like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I'm, a, I'm an introvert. And it may just be that, hey, when you were in the fifth grade and, you know, you fell down the steps at the, you know, at the football game or something like that, and everybody laughed. And we never went back and visited that issue that happened. We just started saying, oh, I don't like to be around people. Right. I love the fact that you just said visiting the issue. So what your book did to me when I was reading through it is it made me visit an issue that I have kind of put in the back of my head and my heart for many years. I had a tumultuous relationship with someone who was very close to me. It's actually a family member. And um, they were narcissists. I never really was able to pinpoint the issue. And I always thought it was me until I was reading your book, find the lie and fix the problem. So the lie for me was you cannot, mm. you cannot please a narcissist. There's nothing right. that I could have done, but I blamed myself for many, many years right. trying to figure out right. what I did to go wrong with, with this person who I tried so hard 
to please and to basically, yeah, to get their acceptance. And I I realized I can't get acceptance from somebody who doesn't accept themselves. Oh, yes. Yes. Beautiful. That's deep. And so I I have to thank you for that because it's 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 an issue and it's with a with a I, I don't want to put names out there but um it's a family right. member who I love and adored and wanted to be like very much so thought she was a mm-hmm. mentor of mine but couldn't figure out we no longer speak we don't have a relationship at all which is very sad um mm-hmm. once I got pregnant and had my baby some some things were said to me about the color of my child's skin. And um, mm-hmm. I just couldn't understand where it came from. You know, and I was mm-hmm. hurt, very mm-hmm. hurt. And it, it wasn't until I read your book where I could, under, I, I got it. Mm-hmm. So. Yes. Yes. I mean, even, you know, you have no idea how much you guys have, uh, I mean, you have made my day. And as a matter of fact, today is my wife's birthday. Right? Oh. We for this day. It was beautiful because she happened to be off. So we, we did a wonderful morning thing today so I could be home to do, you know, to do the the interview. And so it, it worked out so perfect. But that touches me so much to know that not only did you read it, but you actually were able to apply it to situations, which is exactly what I, the reason that I wrote it to well, begin with. You gave me the tools. Like, I didn't do it my, myself. <laughs> You know, okay, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. You and, know, and it's not we didn't grow up. I, I grew up in a black family. We did not grow up saying that it's OK to talk to counselors or it's OK to seek help. If you did that, right. you was crazy. There ain't nothing wrong with you. You trying to make a big deal out about nothing. That's what would be told to me. Right. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I mean, I like that. my life story started with a, a book that came out in 2004, and it was about my life growing up in Port Arthur, Texas, finding out who my biological dad was when I was 17, you know, going through a whole bunch of, you know, life issues and, you know, and all of those triggers, no matter how much I tried to bury them, every last one came back and surfaced at some time in my life. So it's almost like we walk around with this minefield is the best way I know to describe it, of triggers that have happened of, you know, unhealed emotions that, that exist in us, right? And you can look at a person and you see the physical, you see the outside, but you can't look inside of them and see that, oh, oh, there's some blinking insecurity there. You know what I'm saying? You can't say, oh, okay, the, uh, you know, the guilt light is on. You see what I mean? We don't have the the, the pleasure of having a, a display screen or something to show us how, you know, our health on the inside, our emotional health. So, I mean, I've I watched how my life took turns where I did certain things just trying to get acceptance. Or I did certain things just trying to, you know feel like I was somebody or feel like somebody would love me or, you know, and just we go through our lives and we do all of these things and we don't realize that the emotions that are driving the the car the whole time, it's basically dictating, you know, where we go. 
Amazing. Uh, I got a question. I got a question for you. Um, it said that you went through a lot, you know, divorce, uh, bankruptcy, repossession, but uh, federal indictment. What kind of federal? Am I asking okay. too much? No, 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 not at all. What I did, I started getting into real estate. So when I was young, I, I got out the Air Force in 1997. I started working in a high tech company where I was making, you know, very good money, and it was during the time when the stock market was booming. So when right. I put my money into the tech stocks and I became like a young billionaire, right? And so what happened was when 9-11 happened, uh, I didn't know about that, the, you know, that they could take the money back. Uh, right. I didn't know that, you know, the stock market could just crash and everything could go, you know, mm-hmm. upside down. So I lost like everything. And so I'm sitting there and I saw uh, one of those real estate courses online from a guy, ended up buying into it and... You know, I, I really, I did a, you know, did a few deals with him. Really, kind of wasn't feeling the dude, so I left and you know wrote my book and went on. Five years later, that guy got indicted, and so I got pulled into an indictment with him oh. behind real estate because I invested like I gave a guy like thirty thousand dollars to invest in a house, and when when the deal was done, it was done with some degree of uh, you know, fraudulence. Well, you know, about how, you know, they freak the paperwork to, you know, to make the person qualify for the house and whatnot. And then, so when the deal closed, I was, you know, I was liable because I was a co-conspirator conspirator because I gave the money in order to make the deal work. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, imagine I'm going to schools and I'm talking to kids and doing all this. And then, you know, out of nowhere, it's like, you're indicted. For what? behind real estate. From when? You know, 2002. <gasps> Man, it's 2008. What are you talking about, right? So I had to go through, I spent five years going through, you know, federal probation, going through all of those things, trying to get past, you know, that one little situation. So, I mean, that's another situation that helped me realize because it wasn't the, my, the lie in that situation was this guy was an older black man, and I looked at him as a father figure. It was really more of one of those types of deals. I wasn't even paying attention to the, you know, the paperwork and all that. I needed a daddy. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So that was the whole thing. It was like, you know, me realizing what was I really going after in the first place. And it was just that comfort, trying to, you know, find somebody who could, you know, could comfort me. And so that's why, you know, I have sympathy for people who find themselves in situations like, like say, ladies find themselves in a situation with a manipulator, right? Mm-hmm. Or with a, like you said, with a narcissist yeah. or something. And then you're thinking that it's all you. It's all you. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> when in actuality, you know, it's just about you looking into yourself and finding a lie. I'm currently working on a course. People have been asking me to make that into a course. Well, I'm going to make it into an actual course where people can take the class online and learn how to find a lie in their find the lies in their lives. <clears throat> and one of the examples I use is like our life is like a Rubik's cube. So all of us have bought like a Rubik's cube, right? Yeah. And you know how when you first get it. All of the colors are aligned exactly where they're supposed to be, right? Yep. 
And then the first thing that happens, it don't start getting messed up until what's the first move? You turn something. Yes. Right? So that very that first turn, you you know, so it's almost like imagine a kid, you say, Did you turn my rubber cube? Uh no. <laughs> did you sit on there like, Yes, you did. It was completely lined up. And that's the same way it works with our lives. It's like, well, we were born in this world. We weren't insecure and, you know, and had all these hang-ups that we have now. But we've developed those over time as our Rubik's Cube has been turned and turned and turned. So what I've learned to do is I figured out that in order for me to get back all of my colors where they're supposed to be, I have to be honest with myself about what turns I have made. Ooh. That's good. That's really good. Okay, so when you, you... You see what I mean? When you do this online so, yeah, course... So we could go back and you... You know, and like... You know how in our lives, a lot of times, I've learned to blame myself. And so now, every time something happens to me, the first person I blame is Marcus Parker. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, why did I feel like that? You, you understand? Because Marcus... You did that to yourself because you felt this way. And because you felt this way, you made this move, this move, this move. And that's why you're in that situation. And so I look at it as simplistic as like my, I have a 15 year old, 15 month old baby. That's another thing. I've been making babies (laughs) for a nice span. Yeah, my oldest is 24. Well, she'll be 24 uh, in, in two months. I have a 17-year-old, I have a 7-year-old, and I have a 15-month-old. So I got 23 years worth of children, you know what I mean, spread out there. So, uh, you know, so but when it comes to me, I had to really learn to find my life. So when I say now rather, you know, I live a life of peace. Peace is the thing that I seek daily. Is peace. So if anything throughout the day disturbs my peace, then I'm going right into it and I'm going to dig into it right there and see what part, you know, was there a turn in the Rubik's Cube that I didn't know about? Right? <laughs> Did something happen? Like, why am I reacting to that? You understand what I'm saying? And throughout my life, you know, whatever insecurity I had, like I was from a small town in the country, when I went into service, People teased me about where I was from. You know, they said I was country. I mean, which I was, but still, they teased me about it. So I became insecure about being country. So I started doing things to battle that insecurity. You understand? And so since I learned to be myself, since I learned to be confident in myself, I was able to deal and take whatever they have to give me. You would see? So life doesn't bother me the way it used to when I was younger. I love that. They say 81% of people want to become authors. And most of the time, those people don't do it. Only 20% of those 81 people actually follow through. What made you follow through and get your book completed? Oh, good question. Um, I would say it really was the very first one that really kind of tested me because that one I had to really open myself up and tell parts of my life that I had hidden from the world before. So that was the very, very hardest to do. And it took me like a year. I started writing on it and then I would walk away from it. 
And then, you know, I would go back to it in a few months and say, oh, man, I want to write this book. And so what I started doing was talking to people, telling them that I was writing a book. So when they would come to me and ask me about it, <laughs> I wanted to be able to tell them that I was still working on it. So I kind of like used a couple of little funny tactics like that to kind of encourage myself to go ahead and finish it. But, you know, it wasn't, I felt like it was on my heart to do. And I feel like everybody has a story to tell. And it's really about that story is not usually for you. It's usually for someone else. But we have to be faithful and tell that story and, you know, and let it out. That's right. Where can our listeners you know, contact you in, in case they want to get in touch with you to take that course? Okay. Well, the course will be available uh, soon. Check me out on Instagram and uh, Motivational Rap um, is usually how I communicate uh, mostly. Uh, so I am Motivational Rap, and Motivational Rap came from the first book. You know, it was telling me about my life. I started going, telling people about my life. I started going into schools and talking and realizing that a lot of the kids couldn't read like I thought they could. So I started taking the chapters from my book and turning them into music. So that's how motivational rap came about. And that's how I started, like, becoming sort of an educational entertainer, if you would. I love it. Find the lies and fix the problem. On all platforms, Twitter and everything, and, uh, I mean, the book Marcus Parker at Gmail, if somebody needed to, you know, get at me that way. But definitely check me out on Amazon, Audible, Kindle, and, and all of those places. Thank you so much, Mr. Parker, for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me, ma'am. And, but more importantly, though, you did beat the case, though, right? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I got past that. I had, well, I had to go six months probation. I did... Uh, you know, I had restitution and all that kind of stuff, and I was able to get my life back in order. I was able to go back to school. I was able to go get my bachelor's degree from UNT. I was, uh, you know what I mean? I started, now I, I basically go back to the schools, and I teach rehabilitation classes to keep, teach the special ed kids how to get jobs. Mm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Truly so, inspirational. Yeah, the life is gonna it's been a big circle, man. It's been I mean, it's been a it's been a lot. But I'm thankful and you know, little experiences like this guys makes it all worth it, man. I really appreciate y'all for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Cool, cool. Thank you so much, man. I, I really appreciate it. But I, I just wanna show everybody, you know, to get everybody looking at it. I'm working on a documentary right now. And it's talking about how, you know, all those things that we talked about, like me, you know, rising, going through the whole, you know, fed case, falling, and then trying to come back. Matter of fact, side note, I was actually on the Property Brothers. If y'all ever watch those guys. And yeah. Yeah. So on the Property Brothers at home, when Drew and Jonathan renovated their own house in Las Vegas, I was the guy who flew out there and gave them, like, technical training on the water heater system that they put in their house. So I was on that show. And <laughs> that was like a one of those little cool nuggets, right? You know what I mean? That's awesome. Congratulations and happy yeah. birthday to your wife. That's a lot. It's very difficult to, uh, you know, market things like this. And so, I, I mean, that's why I'm so appreciative. Um, 
you know, I want to help everybody, but I understand that, you know, help is something that people have to desire. You know what I mean? And you have to want it. So, you know, a book like that should sell, you know, but hey, that's no way. I took motivational rap on World Star Hip Hop in 2013. And, you know, even though it got a lot of views, they pretty much booed me. You know, like, nobody don't want to hear this positive stuff. You know, that kind of thing, right? (laughs) So, I've had to learn that, you know, when dealing, you know, with everyone out here, I just have to do everything that I can. If they want it, they will check it out. If they don't, I have to be cool with it, too. Absolutely. There's something for everybody, and there's a lane for all of us. And you are smashing yours. And I'm excited. (laughs) Yes. Well, thank you guys. And um, I guess I will be back in touch when it's time to uh, when I want to promote the uh, the documentary when we get it all finished. Absolutely. Cool. All right. You want to get man? Thank you. Welcome to Cherry's World. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.